those of you that are here um, and allow us to do this in person together. So if you have your Bibles today, and I trust that you do, if you can open with me to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel 10, and welcome to week six of a seven-week series. We have one more to go after today. Um, series that has us walking through some of the book of Daniel. And we're calling this series Stand because in it we see followers of God standing for their faith. In it we see God's plans and purposes forever standing. And through this book we, as followers of, of God, as followers of Christ, are being called to stand and, and, and place our lives upon the plans and purposes of God that have never and will never fail. And just think about how this book opens. So this book opens with Daniel being taken from his home. He is a teenager between 12 and 15 years old. And this book closes some 70 years later when Daniel would have been in his 80s, meaning Daniel faithfully prophesied for more than 70 years, making him the um, longest standing or longest going prophet that we have in Scripture. The book of Daniel records the entire lifetime of faithful service of this servant of God. And it should be an encouragement to us or people in every age that we should continue to serve the Lord as well. Regardless of whether we're in a culture that can't stand the light or a culture that can't stand the truth. Like Babylon was, we keep standing for him. This morning we come to Daniel 10 where we are being called to stand in faith. So all of a sudden, Daniel receives this vision from God that was disturbing. And all he could do was seek God in prayer. And Daniel 10 shows us how we should respond to troubles in ways that bring glory to God and give glory to God even in the midst of our troubles and difficulties. For even though Daniel was experiencing suffering, he chose to continue a holy life by fasting. And we see the very first part, and we're not going to read it today, but the very first part of Daniel 10, Daniel enters into what we call the Daniel fast, 21 days of, of fasting. But he's fasting, he's praying, he's humbly seeking the Lord. And Daniel knew that the cosmic plan of God and that the plan that God had for Daniel himself could not be thwarted. It could not change. One theologian wrote of Daniel 10 this way. He said, Daniel 10 is written to help us understand that life is hard and why life is hard, but also to remind us that we are not alone in our struggles. I don't know who needs to hear that this morning. I'm thinking there's probably more than one person that needs to hear that what we're about to see in Daniel 10 reminds us that we are not alone in our struggles. And I'm praying and I'm believing today that God is going to speak directly to each one of us in various ways today. Some in here have been praying for a very long time, believing that God was going to do something in your life or in the life of someone you love or know, and it hasn't happened yet. And you're on the verge of just giving up and stop praying altogether. Others of you have not cons considered your standing before God in a while, and you need to be reminded this morning how the God of heaven feels about you, how the God of heaven sees you. And still others are completely 
depleted of strength. And maybe, just maybe, there's some here or listening that are considering even just giving up, throwing in the towel, waving the white flag, speaking of just giving up their faith. And I know that doesn't sound like, well, we're listening. Why would we do that? But the church is filled. It is said that many professing Christians in the church live no different than atheists during the week. Meaning, never pray, never open the Bible, never think of God, never speak of God. In fact, it has been said that atheists um, think more of God than many professing Christians. So just let that sink in. Atheists think more of God. Now, they're trying to disprove him which is if you don't believe there's a God, why would you even try to disprove a God you don't believe in? But that's a whole other story altogether. But think more of a God than many professing believers do during the week. And that is, if that's you this morning, here's the good news. You might not be seeking God this morning, but you're here as a sign and proof that he's seeking you. He is seeking you. Therefore, you are here on purpose. So let us... Um, Come to Daniel 10, and in faith, let us take our stand. So if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to read through verses uh, 5 through verse 19 together. Beginning at verse 5, it says this. I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face towards the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, and I said to him, who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you in this moment. Thank you for the reading of your word, and thank you, Father, for, Lord, what's going to take place in the next few minutes as we dive into it. 
Lord, I recognize, God, this room is filled and, and as well as, Lord, those watching from home or will watch with, Lord, we are a people who are needy. Lord, there's so many needs that we have in our lives. When we think about the world that we live in, we think about the pandemic that we're enduring, we think about, God, just so much that's going on within even our nation. And, Lord, there are so many things that, if we are not careful, will win over our faith in you. And we'll find ourselves worried and anxious. We'll find ourselves, Lord, holding to those things and not holding to you. Lord, just give us the wisdom to realize, God, we don't have the wisdom. Give us, God, the wisdom to realize we don't have the strength and we don't have the answers, but you do. And we pray today, Father, regardless of where we find ourselves, that you would speak into our lives in a way that brings you ultimate glory. Speak, O oh God, for we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So just think about what we just read. And then think about this. There have been many great battles in the history of the world. Many have been left to ask the question, so what is the greatest battle ever fought? I was reading an article this week from HistoryPlace.com, and um, there were some suggestions given, and I'll give you kind of this writer's um, main number one battle. But you know, think about the top battles in our world. Maybe the, the Battle of, of Marathon is the greatest in 490 B.C., or maybe the Battle of Hastings in 1066, which is um, the only time in 2,000 years that Britain has been successfully invaded, or maybe the Battle of um, Antietam in 1862, the Civil War, key Civil War battle, or the Battle of Stalingrad in 1942, which led to the defeat of Hitler's Third Reich, or um, other battles. Yet, it has been said, especially by History Place, and of course, just one person's opinion, so if you're upset with that, then go to HistoryPlace.com and leave a message. I'm sure they'll be glad to get back with you, or even they'll be so concerned about your opinion. Anyway, the, he says this, the greatest battle in America's history was the Battle of Yorktown in 1781, and he says, the Battle of Yorktown was the climax of the American Revolution and directly led to independence of the United States of America. While others may have been larger and more dramatic, no battle in history has been more influential. From the days following their victory at Yorktown, Americans have steadily gained power and influence up to their present role in present society. And think about what we just said. We could go through history of battle after battle after battle. And all of these are epic battles that we could probably bring to the table, but none are as epic, and no battle is as enduring as the battle that's raging all around us. Meaning, there's a battle that started before Genesis 3. So before a serpent entered into a conversation with man and woman, there was a battle started even before that. It involves angels and demons, and it will not end until Jesus comes again. In the words of Abraham Kuyper, who was um, a theologian in the 18 and 1900s in the, in the Netherlands, and he said this, If once the curtain were pulled back and the spiritual world behind it came into our view, it would expose to our spiritual vision a struggle so intense, so convulsive, sweeping everything within its range, that the fiercest battle ever fought on earth would seem by comparison a mere game. 
Listen to what he says. If we could have the curtain exposed and see the spiritual battle that's taking place, any battle that I just listened to or any that I didn't would seem like just a game compared to what is taking place in the spiritual world that we are living in. And Daniel 10 pulls back that veil on this fierce battle. And think about this. How did Daniel respond to the spiritual battle taking place around him? Did he just... Just uh, go into a corner, get in the fetal position, suck his thumb, and just say, come Lord Jesus? Or did he do what he normally does, which is pray? And the answer is he, he prayed. Because Daniel was a man of prayer. In Daniel chapter 2, he prayed that God would give him interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. In Daniel 6, three times a day, Daniel prayed and was thrown into a lion's den because of it. He prayed for understanding and a vision in chapter 8. In chapter 9, he prayed a prayer of confession and intercession. And here again in chapter 10, he is fervently praying once again. Daniel knew and believed that he served a God who heard and answered the prayers of his people. Therefore, once more, we find this man of God on his knees pleading with the God of heaven. And these, are, these verses are meant to give great encouragement to all of us, but especially to those of us who have been praying for something for so long, and it doesn't seem like that prayer is ever going to be answered. The, the cause of the delay in that answer is unknown to us, yet we can know that our prayers are heard. This is the point today. Our prayers are heard. So under this banner of prayer, I want us to unpack three truths that I pray will help all of us today stand in faith. Stand in faith. And these, these truths are going to sound very elementary or things that we've heard a lot, but I feel like we need to really hear them. And, of course, the text um, shares and, and, the, and they flow out of the text perfectly. So three truths today. Number one, God loves you more than you will ever know. And I know that sounds so elementary, so simple, so duh. Why did I come to hear that? But we must hear it. Think about this. Daniel chapter 10 makes it clear that angels and demons exist. They make it clear that angels and demons are combating one another in this spiritual battle. And Daniel 10 also makes it known that our prayers in some genuine measure enter into the effect of this spiritual battle. At the end of Daniel fasting for 21 days, he receives this vision of a heavenly being. Now, there's a lot of differences in who this is. Some commentators believe that this angel that came was an appearance of Christ. So, since his appearance matches the appearance of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. Now, it shouldn't be weird to us that Jesus would exist or would make himself known in the Old Testament because Jesus has always existed. Jesus is eternal. Jesus doesn't just come on the scene in Bethlehem. He shows up in the Old Testament to show that he is the eternal one. While other um, Bible scholars believe that this was just an angel who reflected, not radiated the glory of God, but reflected the glory of God because they say if this... If this angel could not overcome the prince of Persia without Michael's help, how could this be Jesus? So when we read the New Testament, we never saw an instance where Jesus does something and goes, hang on, God, I need a little extra help on this one. 
We, we, never, we never read that. So what do we do here? And here's what we know. We have seen throughout the book of Daniel, and we'll see that Jesus is all over this book. Jesus was the stone in chapter 2, 35 and 45. Jesus was the form of the fourth, like the Son of God in the fiery furnace that we're going to see next week in Daniel 3. Jesus was one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds in Daniel 7. And we know that Jesus is most definitely one who, according to verse 6 here, whose face was and is like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And follow with me here. In verse 9, it says that Daniel sees this and he falls on the ground, which is exactly what John does in Revelation 1 when he sees the exact same individual. He falls on the ground in the same way. And it's amazing. It's a reminder of this. The presence of God always leaves its mark. The presence of God always leaves its mark. We were talking last week in our um, discipleship group In the book of Joshua, it talks about memorial stones. Leaving memorial stones as a remembrance, not for God's remembrance, but for ours of what God has done. Have there been instances in our lives where we can look back and say, God's presence was so real here and here and here. And maybe not here, but, but here. And I... This was a dry period. I sought the Lord, and it was a a dryness where God used it for something great here. Listen, the presence of God always leaves its mark. But let me kind of get back on track here. If we are to believe that the being in verses 5 and 6 was the pre-incarnate Christ, or the Old Testament word is Christophany. So you can use that in a sentence today. It'll make you sound a lot smarter than you are, which is exactly what I'm doing right now, making me sound a lot smarter than I am. Christophany is a Old Testament a picture of Jesus showing up in the Old Testament before Bethlehem. But if we are to believe that that is Christ, which is, seems to be the best picture, when you read Revelation 1, it's the exact same picture. If you believe that, then you have to believe that what the angel that we see in verse 10 is a different angel. Just because of what we read. And, a, and an angel, basically, that Daniel could then talk to, that Daniel was able to have a conversation with. Even though Daniel was still left without strength and still left humbled. Let me just say this. If that sounds confusing to you, if all that sounds confusing, then rejoice and praise God that you serve a God who is greater than your ability to understand. So rejoice and praise God that you serve a God that is greater than your ability to understand Him. I heard a pastor one time say this. If you can summarize your God on a bumper sticker, it's not a God I want. You know, if you can summarize, we can't summarize this God on a bumper sticker. In fact, all of this, his word cannot fully in our minds make known who he is because our minds can't fully comprehend. But don't miss the message of what I say is the second angel here in verse 11 and 19. Just listen. Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Understand the words that I speak to you. Verse 19, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And some of you this morning, this is your moment. This is why you're here today, because you need to be reminded that you are precious in the sight of God. You need to be reminded that God loves you. He is 
You are valuable to him. You need to be reminded this morning, there is nothing that you could ever do to make God love you more, and there's nothing that you can do to make God love you less. You need to be reminded of that today. And maybe, just maybe you would love, maybe you're sitting here going, I would just love for an angel to come and tell me that God loves me. Brothers and sisters, God has come and told you that he loves you. God has come to this earth and told you that he loves you. Think about this message. Think about Ephesians 2, verses 4 or 3 through 5 and verse 8. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace we have been saved. This is the only place in all of Paul's writings that he uses the the two words, the phrase together, great love. Great love. And it's better than an angel's voice. For if you have seen Jesus for who he is, if you have come to him as Savior and Lord, brothers and sisters, you are greatly loved. I'm not talking about greatly loved like John 3.16, just the, the love of God for the whole world. I'm talking about special 1 John 3 love. Behold what manner of love the Father has poured upon you that you should be called children of God. Talking about that kind of love, that love we are greatly loved. Listen to the words of Charles Spurgeon. He said, child of God, do you hesitate to appropriate this title? Has your unbelief made you forget that you are greatly loved too? Must you not have been greatly loved to have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish and without spot? When God smote his only begotten son for you, what was this but being greatly loved? Brothers and sisters, let us not approach our heavenly father as if we were strangers. Let us not approach our Heavenly Father as if He is unwilling to hear our prayers. For we are greatly loved by a great and good Father. Understand who we are. Don't miss both sides of the gospel. On one side of the gospel, the gospel tells us that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we could ever dare to believe. But the other side tells us that we are more loved and accepted in Christ than we could ever dare to hope. Brothers and sisters, don't miss it. God loves you more than you will ever know. And that's not something to go, well, I know that already. But get to know it a little better. Get to know it a little more. Which leads us to the second truth, which is this. God is doing more than you can comprehend. God is doing more than you can comprehend. Look at verse 12. It says, Fear not, Daniel, For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And then look at verse 13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. What's 21 days? The days that he was fasting. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of Persia. So let's take this in reverse order. First of all, who is the king of Persia? And again, we're not totally sure. And again, Bible scholars fight... um, for identity here, but most Bible scholars believe that this wasn't just a demon, but a demonic force. So the king of Persia, the prince of Persia, was a demonic force. And we need to never forget 
that according to Ephesians 6, 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now understand this, child of God, God doesn't save you and then place you on a playground where God just pushes you on a swing and you go, wee, 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 and then one day God just pushes you really hard and you go up to meet Jesus. That is not the picture of the Christian life. God doesn't save us and put us on a playground as much as we want that. Instead, he saves us and puts us on the battlefield. We're in a battle. Brothers and sisters, we are on a battlefield. One, one German theologian, i, I got to wait for a second. I almost got ahead of myself. Think about this. Here we are in a battlefield. As Daniel was in the battlefield, and here the angel comes. And the angel says this, your words have been heard. Now these words are also accompanied with some confusing words about a prince of Persia and then Michael the archangel. So some weirdness happening. But there was a demonic force that warred against this angel necessitating the help of another angel. And here's the point. Daniel had no idea what was going on in the spiritual realm when he was praying and neither do we. Let me say that again. Daniel had no idea what was going on in the spiritual realm when he was praying, and neither do we. There was a battle taking place. Now I'll say one German theologian, and I would say his name, but I can't pronounce it, um, wrote this. The powers of evil apparently have the capacity to bring about hindrances and delays, even of the delivery of answers to believers who requ whose requests God is mindful to answer. So the picture is that demons can even delay answers that God is willing to give to us, but they don't come exactly when God says yes. They are delayed. If you don't believe that, read Daniel 9, verses 20 through 23. The same picture happens where Daniel prayed, and the angel says, the, the second you started praying, God sent me, but it took me a while to get here. In the same picture, you are greatly loved. But ultimately, the picture here is of an angelic being warring with one another as Daniel prays, and Daniel's prayers are affecting, in a weird sense, what's happening in this battle. And I don't know how to explain it. I don't, I don't know how all of this works, but Scripture is very clear. We live in a spiritual world, and we are in a spiritual war. And for those of you who, who have been praying for a long time about something, and you wonder, is it worth it? Or some of you, like I have been in my life, you're praying for something, and there is another voice that is speaking to you. It's the voice of the enemy, and that voice is saying, why even bother? God doesn't care. If God were going to answer you, he would have answered you by now. You're wasting your breath, and you're wasting your time. The enemy wants us to stop praying and to give in, yet don't miss this. God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers and God loves it when we continue to pray even when we don't get the answer when we want it. God loves faithful, persistent prayer from His own. And hear this, the first time that you pray to God, He will hear you. He hears you the first time. 
Now, yes, we're to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, but don't act like God must not have heard me the first 20 times. He hears you. And don't miss this. Just because you're, you don't see anything happening doesn't mean God isn't doing something. Just because you don't see anything happening doesn't mean that God isn't up to something. Another theologian put it this way. When you shoot an arrow, you expect it to fall. When you send out a ship, you expect it to return. When you sow a seed, you expect it to bear fruit. Then he says this. So when we pray, or when, excuse me, when we sow our prayers into God's bosom, should we not look for an answer? Listen, if we expect all those things to happen, should we not expect an answer to our prayers? You might not see anything for the first week or 20 days or months, but you have no idea what kind of spiritual battle is going on in the heavenly realm where God is ultimately working behind the scenes to do things that you cannot see and cannot understand. 21 days earlier, when Daniel set his heart to seek the Lord, heaven heard his prayer. If you want to write something down, write this down. Delay does not mean denial. Delay does not mean denial. Just because God delays the answer to your prayers is delayed does not mean it is denied. For if one second, if one second we could truly see with the eyes of God, we would behold a vast array of supernatural beings, both demons and angels, all around us. Some, as in demons, working against us, and others, angels, like God, working for our good. Brothers and sisters, God is doing more than you and I can comprehend. So God loves you more than you will ever know. God is doing more than you can comprehend. And then lastly, God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. And that sounds like a New Testament truth because that is a New Testament truth. But it's also a truth right here in the book of Daniel. Look at verses 17 and 18. For now, no strength remains in me no breath is left in me again one having the appearance of a man touched me listen to this and strengthen me and some of you this morning this is exactly the reason that you are here right now because this is exactly where you are whether it be in your life your marriage in your relationship with family and others maybe financially or maybe in your walk with the lord and all the failures that you have and skeletons that you have. Your strength is gone and you can hardly breathe. But praise be to God, three instances in this chapter, Daniel received strength from an angel who touched him. In verse 10, 16, and 18, Daniel is strengthened. And like Daniel, and like Paul, as we're about to read, and until we fully embrace our weakness, we will never know and appreciate God's strength. For you see, we serve a God, and this might not sound good to us, but it's so good to us. We serve a God who will strip us of our strength so that he may become our strength. We serve a God who will knock us down so that he can lift us up. We serve a God who will let us come to the end of our strength where there's no more there so that as we come to the end of our strength, we come to the beginning of his. 
We serve a God who raises us up to show us what we can be in Him. Yes, there's pain in the process, but joy comes in the morning. Listen to 2 Corinthians 12.10. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And Paul says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. And let's just stop for a second and say, in our minds, on the surface, that's just stupid. Right? That's just, we don't like that. And for those of you who say, I will never say that, then come up here and share your weaknesses. And all of a sudden we go, well, I don't have any. Well, then who's the stupid one? All of a sudden, see, here we are. That's something we push against. We push against weakness because we want to see others see us in our strength. And yet here we are standing before God who sees us. We have no strength. All we have is weaknesses. And the only strength that we ever hope to have is Him. And the only way we'll ever see His strength in us is to acknowledge our weaknesses. To acknowledge what we can't do. So therefore, listen, in the flesh we don't naturally boast about weaknesses. In the flesh we're not boasting about financial weaknesses or relational weaknesses or occupational weaknesses or whatever other weaknesses there are. We don't do that naturally. But Paul supernaturally boasted in his weaknesses because he knew that God's miracles and God's glories are found in weaknesses and not in strengths. So let me say this. Rejoice in your weaknesses and beware of your strengths because your strengths can very quickly become your weaknesses. Beware of what you think your strengths are because your strengths can very quickly, in fact, instantly, can become weaknesses. So think about this picture. God uses our inadequacy to highlight His power. Yet this truth of God's strength being made perfect in weakness is most clearly seen at the cross. We can't leave Jesus out. Here He is yet again. In the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5, John catches a glimpse of the glory of Jesus and sees the resurrected Christ. And yet in seeing the resurrected Christ, he sees the nail marks in his hands and his feet that were visible. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb who was slain for our sins. But don't miss it. The marks on Jesus' body, even in heaven, were not a deformity on Jesus. They were not an accident. And they were not a sign of defeat. In fact, they were a sign of victory. The literal, actual scars on Jesus' glorified body are the result of the work that he did to redeem us because we can do nothing to redeem ourselves. And in him, get this, because Jesus became weak, we can have his strength. Because Jesus weakened himself, we can have the strength that he let go in order to redeem us. And yet, maybe we look at him and we see weakness and suffering in his, his earthly ministry, but yet we await his return and power. And let me just say this, as we wait, look to the cross. For at the cross, we will see forever the proof that God loves us. Romans 5.8 says, God proved his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
Brothers and sisters, we have something greater than Daniel had. We have the cross. All Daniel had to take God was at, for, at his word. Now, that's a pretty good thing to take God at, take him at his word. But we have even, we have his word and we have the cross, meaning he has proved his love for us. And then as we wait, know that not one detail of your life, not one detail is meaningless. Everything in your life is meaningful and God is doing something. He is at work. And then as we wait, know that your weakness is bringing about God's strength. For when you are weak, then he is strong. I want to end today with a Bible verse that I just found last night and um, I want to make sure I, I use this in context. But God, through Isaiah, is speaking to King Ahaz about how King Ahaz, the king of Judah, has turned away from God and trying to get his attention. And in Isaiah 7, 9, here's what God, through Isaiah, says. Listen to this. The whole title of this message is Stand in Faith. Listen to this. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. If you do not stand firm in faith, you will not stand, period. Therefore, brothers and sisters, stand in faith knowing that he loves you more than you will ever know. Knowing that he's doing more around your life, in your life, through your life than you can ever understand. And stand in faith knowing that there is strength in him for the, for the journey. There is strength in him for the journey. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand. We're going to call the musicians forward and enter into a time of just invo invocation, a time of invitation where we just let God just continue to speak. So let's pray. Fathers, we come before you. Lord, we thank you for this, your word. Lord, it seems like sometimes God such trivial, small truths, yet they're so great and amazing and we can never get to the bottom of any of them. Oh God, how you love us. Oh God, how you are working. I think of Daniel, and Daniel saw a vision, and others around him didn't see what he saw, didn't feel what he felt, and fled. And maybe there's some sitting here today that the word's just bouncing off, but Lord, I believe that there are many, and I pray all, God, who your word right now is penetrating hearts and, and lives, God. That, that your love is doing something in the hearts of people. That hope is, I pray, Lord, rising up. That strength is rising up because all we have is weakness. Father, just finish this time in a way that brings glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name.